Well, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of All Out War. I am Turner, and I am joined via the internet with Rosie. What's up, Rosie? Hey, what's up, man? You surviving this uh, corona craziness? Yeah, yeah. I'm doing fine because uh, I'm sure this is like an overplayed meme at this point, but uh, where they keep saying like, what, uh, you know, when you find out that your normal lifestyle is... <laughs> social isolation um yeah (laughs) so what's what's normal for you to like stay home play xbox just kind of chill you know eat when you're hungry yeah is like torture for me right yeah well the other thing is i've probably been getting out a lot more than you have as well like i've been hanging out with i've not been social distancing at all i've been hanging out with a lot of friends uh the same ones so it's not like are any of them uh, like uh, dry cough, fever, uh, no. showing the symptoms? No, no. No. Okay. Yeah. And it's not that many. I mean, I don't have that many friends. So it's like the same. <laughs> it's like the same two people. <laughs> two or three people. I know. I, I'm like, I miss the old days when you would be sitting across from me and uh, and then we'd have like the studio audience here with us <laughs> hanging out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I kind of miss those days. Um, there's no way that my wife would let any of you guys in the house. Yeah, she just it, she's too she's too cautious. She's too smart, probably. I guess, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm like tempted. I was like almost like, hey, do you want to just roll up in here and like hang out? <laughs> yeah, but she would have never, never would have liked that. She would have been really mad at me. Well, so. I could always promise I don't have it. Well, that was the thing is like, I was like, well, we've basically been quarantined for two weeks. So if we had it, like anybody had it, they'd show it. Right. And, yeah. But that's, the, yeah, but, exactly. But, but you don't know if you have it, right. They say that it takes like two weeks to show. So you might have it and think you don't have it because it's been, you know, only five days. Yeah. So, in, yeah, I was going to say. I think I've been quarantined, but at the same time, yeah, I've been going shopping and stuff. Like I've, I've gone out probably every other day at least. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> yeah. We did the grocery store this morning at like eight o'clock. Yeah. And uh, it was pretty, pretty sparse there. There wasn't a lot of people there, but there was still like pseudo empty shelves. Like there was no, no toilet paper, no, no paper towels. Um, yeah, the meat was about fifty percent, and at eight in the morning, which means they must have stocked it last night or something. Yeah, it, people are just getting there probably as soon as it opens and running straight back. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but uh, anyways, yeah. So, we're, but we're all pretty healthy. Is everyone healthy at your place? Oh yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, and we've been going out on walks and stuff like that. I've been doing. All kinds of stuff I never did before. It's like I've been enjoying this. This has been absolutely awesome. I've seen basically no downside, <laughs> like only positive. So I don't. Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, but, I don't know. I mean, I'm working, you know, and so yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm I'm in an, I'm in an essential role where you can't work from home for what I do. Yeah. So I get to commute into into DC, and it's cool because I get out of the house and everything. It's great because there's no traffic. It's still, it's still a little sketch though, because 
uh like for lunch and stuff like that like <laughs> if you don't pack a lunch man there's no nothing's open like yeah you can use the app and maybe find a place and you know maybe order online or something like that and have them bring it out to you or something but for the most part it's pretty it's pretty um pretty spark it's a ghost town up there in dc yeah so um but so i don't see a lot of people is what i'm saying i'm not having conversation i'm not interacting too much right so even even though i'm leaving the house i'm still kind of like isolated yeah so. and like we, we were saying before like that's perfect that's all i want and for you it's not <laughs> yeah right for it's me, like it's torture, torture for you it yeah. is man uh anyways yeah. so well yeah how about i will uh hey I, was gonna, <laughs> I don't know how to transition to this, but okay. <laughs> well, how about this? Uh, well, do you have anything else you're going to say before? Um, I mean, I don't know. It depends on what you're going to say. Oh, well, I was going to say uh, one of the things that maybe to kind of move into the next uh, topic is, or the topic of the show, yeah. is that that's, so there's kind of a couple of reasons we've been wanting to do this podcast for a while because it's been an issue for like forever. But, uh, one of the things about staying at home is that I'm sure this, uh, <laughs> I see where you're going right now. They, they don't, nobody knows what, what the topic is right now. Well, but yes, they do. It's on the, on the title, on, I suppose. Yeah. It's on the title. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, how about, cause I, I didn't want to just go ahead and say that. Do you, did you know? Cause it might be a little off. Well, how about this? All right. Did you know, <laughs> that uh you have taste receptors on both your tongue and in your testicles <laughs> if you're a male if you're a male right <laughs> i did not know that um taste oh. receptacles why would my why would they need to be there uh I, we we don't know <laughs> well here I'll, I'll read this do uh, dogs have that it says mammals yeah oh man i wonder well, if that's so why they lick Never mind. <laughs> uh, listen to this. It says, in mammals, the sense of taste helps in the evaluation and consumption of nutrition, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> distinct cell types expressing unique receptors detect each of the five basic tastes. Salty, sour, bitter, sweet, and umami. 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 <laughs> yeah. Umami. It's, that's a bean, isn't it? No, that's edamame. Oh. <laughs> edamame. <laughs> Well, this is, uh, it's spelled U-M-A-M-I. I don't know. There's whatever. Look into that if you care. Okay. Um, but it says the latter three tastes are detected by two distinct families of G-protein coupled receptors, uh, T2RS and T1RS. It says, interestingly, these taste receptors have been found in tissues other than the tongue, such as the digestive system, mm. respiratory system, brain testes and spermatosa hmm. okay so it says yeah the functional implications of taste receptors distributed throughout the body are unknown so <laughs> okay they don't know so you there no one knows why you would have taste receptors <laughs> okay yeah. but it said your but, brain too that's kind of cool yeah gives new so new there you go yeah okay and uh maybe that's a good way to s set off uh this <laughs> yeah so our topic is all about porn 
So mm-hmm. that's why we have explicit rating kids. So earmuffs on if you're under 18, because this could get racy. But uh, let's jump into it. So here's what I'm going to say. Sit back, uh-huh. grab a coffee, and enjoy. You're listening to the All Out War Podcast. Yes, you are. <laughs> All right, buddy. I should have uh, played Let's Get It On, you know, that old... Uh, From that Adam Carolla? Huh? Corolla? No, <laughs> it's like an old R&B song. Let's oh. get it on. Dun, dun. You know that old, uh, I don't know, R&B song. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! So I'm not an R&B guy. I know, <laughs> me either. But that's a famous song, dude. Like everybody knows that song. Everybody knows that song. Well, it's probably obviously. I like to stay at home in a her. I'm a hermit, so yeah. <laughs> Maybe I don't have reason to be listening <laughs> to that kind of music. Oh man! So yeah. our topic is porn, and it's something that you and I have. Uh, thought about for a topic on our podcast for a while, mainly because we want to we want to cover relevant issues that are um, both theological, cultural, and political. Mm-hmm. You know, and this actually covers all of those things quite easily. And um, when you look at what's going on, one of the things that um, that I was really really surprised about when. A few years ago, I was doing a sermon series when I was preaching regularly, and uh, I just went across stats of pornography use and ages and things like that, and it was just heartbreaking. And uh, to realize that those statistics are equal in the world as they are in the church. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty, that was kind of startling for me because, you know, I I just kind of had in my mind thought, well, obviously these statistics that I keep hearing about with all this pornography use are not infiltrate. This is not believers. These are the worldly people, the unsafe people, the unregenerate. Right. (laughs) And I couldn't have been more wrong. I couldn't have been more wrong. So that was a couple of years ago. And then it's just continued to increase and get worse Mm -hmm. over the years. But, um, so I think to set it up and, and to kind of move it along, we should probably start with a little bit um, understanding the history of pornography. Um, and you had done some research, you said, on the history. Oh, are we going to go right into that? Okay. Well, why not? I mean, we can start there and move through and uh, see what happens. Sure. Okay. So it's actually pretty interesting. So I was reading this uh, scholarly work, and it was um, – so check this out. The first ever uh, obscenity obscenity case was tried under the Obscene Publications Act in Great Britain in 1868. Wow. Yeah. So this was called, it was Regina V. Hicklin. And I will, uh, so so just go with the history because it's it's, it's very interesting um, for history people, but we'll... uh, get into it. Uh, so it says, um, 
It's uh, no, named for Benjamin Hicklin, the 19th century court recorder in London, England. The Hicklin test is an obscenity standard that originated in an English, ca- English case. In Regina v. Hicklin, 1868, Lord Chief Justice Alexander Cockburn, writing for the... <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so juvenile. What was the Chief Justice's name? <laughs> I was, I, did you see, notice that I didn't laugh at that because I'm a mature person and, uh, <laughs> you're like half my age and you're not laughing. I'm so bad. <laughs> uh, well, I was preparing myself also for it. Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Chief okay. Justice Cockburn. Cockburn. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> said he supplied a broad definition of obscenity based on the ascertaining, and this is a quote, whether the tendency of the matter is to deprave and corrupt those whose minds are open to such immoral influences and into whose hands a publication of this sort may fall. Hmm. So it's, it's really interesting. And the reason this is important is because basically, uh, well, and this is where it started. So this was, it said, basically, it was in England. They didn't have the First Amendment or Bill of Rights or anything like that. So it didn't, it wouldn't apply when it came over here. But it said, American courts adopted the Hicklin test in applying the Federal Anti-Obscenity Act of 1873, also called the Comstock Act, and subsequent state anti-obscenity stru- statute modeled on the Federal Act. Um, the Hicklin test permitted a conviction for purveyors of obscenity if a publication had a mere tendency to arouse lustful thoughts in the minds of the most susceptible, usually youthful readers. Wow. Uh, so it said isolated passages could be used to determine whether there is sufficient evidence to infer a defendant's intention to corrupt public morals. And it said, uh, yeah. Hmm. So it said that it was first employed in a circuit court in the Southern District of New York in 1879 in a case which the defendant was convicted of mailing a document advocating legalized prostitution. Hmm. Wow. So, so it's was, basically what it, it wasn't. But I was thinking, was it like a like a novel, like a racy novel, or something? No, it was just a letter. So it was yeah. basically they just. So this is that was the standard in. The reason that this history is so interesting is because that's so that's the first thing that they had. And I think that there is, you know, kind of there is stuff up in the air, you know, like, um, uh, you know, obscenity change, you know, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But there wasn't really pornography back in the day, you know, like stuff like that. And uh, so the next one that's really important is called Roth v. United States. It came in 1957. And uh, it was the constitutional test. So it went before the Supreme Court and it redefined the constitutional test for determining what constitutes obscene material unprotected by the First First Amendment. Hmm. So this is the thing that basically, uh, yeah, so the guy ran a a literary business in New York City, was convicted Mm -hmm. – of sending obscene, lewd, lavicious, or filthy materials to the mail hmm. for advertising and selling a, pu- a publication publication that contained literary erotica and nude photography. 
So more modern style. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but one of the things that was uh, so basically what came from this was it said Congress could ban material that quote utterly without redeeming social importance or in other words, whether to the average person applying contemporary community standards, the dominant theme of the material taken as a whole appeals to uh, prurient interest. Hmm. So, um, anyway, so what's, you know, what's pur- prurient? I'm not sh- okay. sure exactly. Okay. The <laughs> thing. You're asking a question. My legalese is, is, is pretty weak. Yeah. But basically, anyway, so the, where how it started coming off, and I think it's really interesting because it, and it's just so interesting to see how it, um, like, legally, how the, all this stuff, and I'm not a legal scholar or anything like that, but basically, like, from the beginning, it was, you see this language where it's talking about the common good. So basically, all these people, um, you know, just for sending letters in the mail or publications or stuff like that, um, you know, if it could be seen as harmful to people or young people, right? It o- was struck down, like open or moral, right? Immoral so they, yeah, yeah. So the basically the court, like, um, and you'll see a resurgence in the stuff, literally right now, where they're talking about it. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so that that was an important one. So you mean like a free speech issue? Right. It, there wasn't. It, it really wasn't one up until. More, right here. More mo- oh, Okay. Yeah. So, 1954. Yeah. Well, no. So this one, the next one is uh, the last case I'll talk about. Well, there's a couple more, but yeah, uh, we'll see how it goes. So Miller v. California says it was a landmark decision by the United States Supreme Court where the court redefined its definition of obscenity from that of quote utterly without redeeming value, socially redeeming value, to that which lacks serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. Hmm. And this was a guy, uh, the Miller of the the Miller in the Miller v. California was a, a owner of a mail order business specializing in porno, pornographic films and books, and he sent out a brochure advertising those books and a film that graphically depicted sexual activity between men and women. So that's what got the thing, and and so basically. You see the court f- stepping in, and this is where they go from, it said, without utterly socially redeeming value to a definition that says it lacks serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. Wow. And so, so now you, so I, I think what's really interesting and in, um, is to see how, and maybe this is kind of going off on a tangent, has nothing to do with pornography, but um, how the courts are slowly you can see that they're evolving with like the sexual liberation and they're um basically giving in what year was that miller case 73 and that was so the supreme court that was all the way at the united states supreme court mm-hmm. yeah yeah so uh yeah it, so, when you go so, back to the 1800 one it was like uh it was like uh basically a letter written that had like some comments in it about prostitution yeah it <laughs> basically went from, yeah he wanted to uh, yeah to legalize it was an argument for legalizing prostitution and yeah. now it's saying so basically but they're changing the definition of pornography so it's something that originally had utterly no 
socially redeeming value to now it doesn't really have artistic value. <laughs> right. So anyways, uh, the, the whole point of this is really interesting is to see that the court and pornography, and that's why this is such a big thing. And when, and I think that this is an important thing that Christians need to think about, um, like the political aspect of this. But anyway, so that's a little bit of the history of it is that you can see just from going from these big landmark cases that the definition of pornography um, like has been opened up. And so it's basically the the courts have opened the floodgates to yeah. allow more and more pornography to spill out, you know? Yeah. And we could do a whole episode on, um, you know, the government's right to protect. Um, and I guess we'll probably get into that a little bit when we talk about uh, more serious aspects, I guess, of the pornography. Yeah. But, um, well, you were mentioning about how the court's defining what pornography mm-hmm. is. When you when that when you do the etymology of pornography, it's a Greek word, and it's it's porne, and in graphian or porne graphian. So that's two two words together, and it literally means a prostitute letter or pros, prostitute written. That's mm-hmm. what it means, and and uh, or porno, pornographos is the, um, it's about writing about prostitutes is basically what it is. So it goes all the way back to that eighteen hundreds original yeah. letter, but the Greek words literally means writing about prostitutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously this is not something new to mankind, right. <laughs> right? You know, like sexual immorality has been around since the very beginning, literally. Mm-hmm. Like I'm pretty sure that, uh, I mean, we don't really see mention of it until Genesis chapter, you know, maybe four um, as things are ramping up to the flood. You know, all the thoughts of mankind were only evil all the time is what we're told in the days of Noah. Mm -hmm. So that would include sexual immorality. Um, You know, God was grieved that he even made man. Um, So uh, we know that it's existed, like it's it's consistently been dormant or lying within the heart of man. When I say Mm -hmm. man, I mean human kind, because it's not just exclusively men, although the majority of consumers of pornography are men. Um, it's those stats are ch- changing also, but um, mm-hmm. as we get closer to the days of Noah, once again. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, it's just pretty interesting how you were saying how the definition has been changing, and the definition's been following really the culture. Mm-hmm. It's just, and I mean, obviously it makes sense, right? The courts are going to reflect the culture because. They're good. Your judges are going to be contemporaries of the culture. So, mm-hmm. however the culture is, uh, typically the judges are going to be. Typically, judges are a little bit more conservative than the culture. Even your liberal judges, typically. Uh, but on this issue, it seems like they're not quite as, uh, as conservative. Yeah. Historically. Yeah. And there's a couple other things I just want to read because it's interesting and it gets into something else that maybe will kind of really spark the (laughs) bring it into something. Um, So there's um, a couple laws. So I'll just just follow me with this. I'm going to read a couple things. Okay. So it says um, 
In the United States, pornography is considered a form of personal expression governed by the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. Pornography is generally protected speech unless it is obscene, as the Supreme Court held in Miller. It says child pornography is also not protected by the First Amendment, but importantly for different reasons. Hmm. In 1982, the Supreme Court held in New York v. Ferber that child pornography, even if not obscene, is not protective speech. Uh, it said it gave uh, – the court gave a number of justifications why child pornography should not be protected, including that the government has a compelling interest in safeguarding the physical and psychological well-being of minors. So that's, that's hmm. good. Yeah. Um, so they, they do have some of this stuff. So I don't want to just slam the courts even though I like it. But, uh, you know, we can – there's a lot of problems. Right. Um, but so he, here's another thing that I think is just really interesting and then I, we can give up on this kind of stuff, but it, uh, it's just, uh, I think it's very interesting and brings up some other questions. Um, uh, it says simulated pornography, because hmm. I think this is, you know, we talk about AI and all this stuff and looking to the future and, um, and I think that this is important because when we get into the stuff about why pornography is bad on its own like aside from all this stuff you know <laughs> there, there's people out there that you know you'll hear these arguments about um simulated pornography or um vr with these heads you know like all right. this stuff yeah you know? yeah yeah so i just think that since AI, we kind of talk yeah we talk <laughs> about weird stuff is uh there's actually laws around this which is interesting um it says so simulated child pornography was made illegal with the Child Pornography Prevention Act of 1996. Hmm. In 2002, the Supreme Court of the United States in Ashcroft v. Free Speech Coalition held that the relevant portions of the CPPA were unconstitutional because they prevented lawful speech. Referring to Ferber, the one that made that we talked about previously with the um, – child pornography since the court stated that the cppa prohibits speech that records no crime and creates no victims by its production virtual child pornography is not intrinsically related to the sexual abuse of children hmm. so they overturned the child pornography prevention act wow because the court Gosh. the supreme court said that the, there's no children that are being harmed um and oh, I will say that there is a good there's a, a good side of this, or I guess if you can say it. Um, in response to the demise of the CPPA on April 30th, 2003, George W. Bush signed into law the Protect Act of 2003, and it criminalizes material that has. Um, I'm not going to read all this stuff, but it, it's <laughs> it, yeah, it, it makes it illegal to do. Uh, virtual child pornography act and good um i will go ahead and say that virginia in 2005 was the first one to actually um uh arrest someone under that law so oh, wow. okay i think i for, remember that actually yeah his name was uh dwight warley dwight. and he dwight yeah. <laughs> he downloaded uh anime porn child porn at a library Oh, so, uh, yeah, so that's another first for Virginia. Shout out to our great state. Yeah. 
But anyways, so there's uh, I hope that was kind of interesting. I think that was interesting. And I think it's important, you know, to have some perspective from a different angle. So, well, what's good about understanding some of the legal aspects of this is that you can you can now begin to understand why they can get away with what they can get away with when you look at the porn industry right now. The exactly. multi-billion dollar porn industry, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that helps me to understand, like, because like, a lot of times I'm like, well, how can they get away with that? Like, uh, like when you talk about child pornography, um, like one of the biggest, one of the, one of the highest percentage viewed uh, areas of Pornhub is the area that is with young girls where they, they right. look, they look like teenagers, but they're mm-hmm. quote unquote over the age of 18, barely legal or what they, whatever they call it. You know, I don't know what the, I forget what uh, the designation is. I have no idea either. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it's one of the highest viewed, um, parts of their site. And yeah. you think you you hear about it and you're like, well, how can they even get away with that? Making it look like a kid, like a, it just seems very off and odd, and very mm-hmm. de, you know it's depraved, and it is. But um, but I'm glad that there there are laws in place that can protect uh, in the event if it's proven that it is a minor, or that um, they're using a minor in some way. Yeah. Man. So. Wow. Gosh, it's just I just I get to not I have daughters, so it just makes me get a knot in my stomach. Yeah. So okay, <laughs> that's uh that's some of the actual history, which is really cool in the legal aspect. Um, a lot of people don't really give much thought into that. They just go immediately to a moral compass of this thing, and they say, "Oh, uh, morally, it's either right or wrong," you know. Yeah, and, and I think it's. I think that it's important because, um, yeah, even I forgot what I just forgot what I was gonna, in the middle of saying it. Um, yeah, I, I want to. I guess the point that I, I wanted to make with it is like Christians are, you know, we get slammed like if you go online and stuff like that to like say you shouldn't watch pornography. You know, aside from the other things, they'll call you like you know, a free speech, like you're trying to take away people's amend, you know, right, the first yeah. amendment and stuff yeah. like that. So just like kind of a, a, a I, I just want to like encourage uh, listeners that it wasn't always this way. Like, <laughs> you know, we did used to have the law on our side and stuff like that. Right, so right. Don't worry about that. Well, it's, it is a war too. So, and, exactly. and just because something's legal, doesn't mean it's right or good. Right. I mean, exactly. abortion is a perfect example of that. So, yeah. but uh, so um, I was doing some research. You probably heard of this before. I I, I um, wasn't. I don't know if I had heard of it before. Or if I heard someone talk about it, and just didn't believe it. But um, there are, you know, pornography is used in, as psychological warfare um, from other nations to warring nations. So. Um, the example that I read, which is crazy, was mm-hmm. um, that they pumped pornography into the cable and the broadcast of um, the Palestinians. Israel yep. did this. Uh, I forget what year it was, but um, uh, it was two thousand two. Two thousand two. Okay, mm-hmm. and they basically 
um, cut off all of their communication with the outside world other than television, which was gonna, which was broadcasting pornography. And um, so what they did, so it was twofold when, when they started to unpack like what the purpose of this was, is they basically were taking the men and distracting them um, and getting them addicted and causing them to violate their own conscience because, you know, Islamic, you know, uh, law or, you know, their religious system law is, it's, a, it's, you know, wrong for them to, you know, look at pornography. Um, so they were literally putting them face to face with something that would go against their, you know, religious, which, you know, obviously the Jews don't care too much about their the Muslims religious stuff. But, and the other side was, is that it would get them addicted and then it would take away their drive a lot of times because it would lead to masturbation, which leads to the use of, you know, the loss of testosterone because their levels would drop. And, um, and it, it just, from a mental psychological standpoint, it, it does a lot of damage and takes away the drive of a, of a male. So they figured, well, look, this is, uh, it's a war for us. So we're going to, we're going to throw everything at them and we're going to use this in particular. Yeah. And I was going to say, it is interesting that they, that during that time when they're the, they reinvaded, I guess not reinvaded, it's their land. Right. But they went back into their, occupied their territory. And they, first they sent, uh, uh, it was, they, they, it was a combination. It wasn't just the porn, which is, this is even a little bit more diabolical, if you will, but they actually brought tanks and troops into Palestine Hmm. So they basically forced everyone to stay home into into their homes, and then they took over these TV and radio channels and pumped hardcore pornography Gosh. into there. So they were, you know, yeah, definitely used it as a weapon. So fast forward to 2020, and Italy is on lockdown, and what does Pornhub do? Oh, hey guys, guess what? Free porn. Since you're at home, locked up, and you can't leave. <laughs> Did you see yeah. that? I don't know if you saw that news report. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Pornhub's giving away free pornography to Italy for mm-hmm. uh, to. Oh man, <laughs> there's there's some people that would hear that and be like, "Yahoo!" And uh, there's other people that have understand addictive behaviors and the end result and realize how damaging that really is for a nation. You know. Mm-hmm. Already who's demoralized, like they're, you know, possibly hundreds of thousands, even millions of people have died, you know, they're demoralized, Mm -hmm. they're locked up in their houses, and that's going to be their cure. That's the fix. (laughs) Let's watch porn. Like, not that they chose to do that. That was a Pornhub thing that they decided to do. So, uh, thanks, but no thanks, Pornhub, for all your Mm -hmm. help, right? Right? (laughs) Exactly. Anyways... So it's like uh, it's used as warfare, and and check this out. This is that's actually some, uh, you know, biblically, you know, we were talking about Israel used it against the Palestinians. It was used against the Israels Israelites in the Bible. Um, and there was a there's a story where um, Balaam and Balak. I don't know if you know the story, but um, they were passing through. The the Israelites were passing through, and uh, Balaam, Balaam was hired by Balak to prophesy against Israel, 
and every time he'd open his mouth, and you guys remember the donk, Balaam's donkey and all that stuff where the donkey talked to him and stuff, and Balaam was getting <laughs> upset. But every time he would open his mouth to curse Israel, blessings would come out of his mouth. And so he wasn't able to curse them. And he tells Balak that. And Balak's like, well, I paid you all this money to curse them because you, you're this prophet, and whatever you say usually happens. And he says, well, I can't do it that way, but what I can do is I can give you this, and he basically gives him a plan to bring in these women from other tribes outside of Israel that worship other gods and pollute them as a as a uh, from both from a national standpoint from who they are as a people to intermingle, which they were instructed not to do, and then to worship other gods because they would introduce those gods through the relationships that they would have. And um, that was the sin of Balak. And it's actually mentioned that that sin is mentioned again in the New Testament um, later on. So mm -hmm. it's not, and so what do they introduce? They introduce sexual immorality into the people of God in, uh, in that time in the Old Testament. And so now it's not anything new, right? So <laughs> it's, a, exactly. it's a warfare tactic to pull away from potential virility and strength and focus and ability, you know? And so, um, so, you know, Satan, Satan uses it and the, against the church and it's used, you know, I mean, we have these, this term soy boy, right? All these, <laughs> these weak willed, you know, supposed men and, uh, they're given to addictions to pornography and masturbation and uh, they don't have strong wills and they're you know rubber backs what i like to joke around and call them <laughs> they can't right. they can't stand for anything mm -hmm. so anyways i thought i'd mention that too no it's really I, I think that's important i just was thinking yeah there's nothing new under the sun right exactly so so uh, let me um you want me to go over some of these stats that I found? Sure. From... Yeah, and then I will I've got some other stats as well, so we'll feed. Okay. So these are when we talk about consuming por pornography, um there's some stats, there's an extensive um research done and it was done through the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. Mm -hmm. And it, they have a 33-page document that you can find online if you google that. And I summarized it down to about 20 um, points. And I'll just read a couple of them real quick. This is statistics, uh, consumer statistics um, that just are crazy when you start to hear them. Uh, number one, 64% of young people ages 13 to 24 actively seek out pornography weekly or more often. So more than half of the people of our young people between ages 13 and 24. Uh, Teenage girls are significantly more likely to actively seek out pornography than women 25 years or above. Mm. Um, a, a study of 14 to 19-year-olds found that females who consumed porno pornographic videos were at a significantly greater likelihood of being victims of sexual harassment or sexual assault. Um, so what you have to do is you have to think about that, why, that's, why that particular statement matters so much a 14 to 19 year old female who regularly consumes pornography was at a significantly greater likelihood of being the victim of a sexual harassment or sexual assault why would that be because it's changing her values 
and it's changing her thinking and she put she's putting herself or willing to put herself in riskier situations right or more mm-hmm. m- more permissive behavior so that's basically what it's saying uh, a swedish study of 18 year old males found that frequent consumers of pornography were signif- significantly more likely to have sold and bought sex than other boys of the same age 18 year olds already uh, using prostitution um, a 2015 meta-analysis of 22 studies from seven countries found that in internationally the consumption of pornography was significantly associated with the increase in verbal and physical aggressions among males and females alike so uh, more pornography increases physical aggression uh, number six a recent UK survey found that 44% of males aged 11 to 16 who consumed pornography reported that online pornography gave them ideas about the type of sex they wanted to attempt to try. So they're learning, they're getting sex education. Um, Porn sites receive more regular traffic than Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter combined each month. I wonder what that stat would be like this month, though, just out of curiosity since we're all in quarantine. Um, That's crazy to think about. Porn sites get more traffic than, than Netflix, Amazon, Twitter, and combined in Amazon and cheese. Uh, number eight, 35% of all internet downloads are porn related. 34% of internet users have been exposed to unwanted porn via ads, pop-ups, etc. According to Webroot, uh, the teen porn category has topped porn site searches for the last six years running. That's what I was talking about earlier. Right. At least 30% of all data transferred across the internet is porn related 30 percent jeez one out of every three uh you know transfers on the internet is porn the most common female role stated in porn titles is that of women in their 20s portraying teenagers man number 13 recorded child sexual exploitation known as child porn is one of the fastest growing online businesses. Man, this is just heartbreaking. Number 14, 624,000 child porn traders have been discovered online in the US alone. 600,000. That's crazy. Uh, number 15, between 2005-2009, child porn was was hosted on servers located in all 50 states. Mm-hmm. Uh, number 16, I'm almost done. Number 16, a porn is a global, is global, estimated $97 billion industry with about $12 billion coming from the U.S. In 2018 alone, more than 5,517,000,000 hours of pornography were consumed on the world's largest porn site, Pornhub, in one year. 2018, 5 billion hours of porn were consumed. Oh my gosh. That's, there's 7 billion people on the planet, right? Yeah. There's probably 2 billion total that don't have access to the internet, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. (laughs) That's everyone who has access to the internet. That's crazy. Um, 11 pornography sites are among the world's top 300 most popular internet sites. The most popular site 
at number 18 outranks the likes of eBay, MSN, and Netflix. That's crazy. Uh, number 19, lesbian was the most searched for porn term term on the world's largest free porn site in 2018. That was Pornhub. And the world's largest free porn site also received over 33,500,000,000 site visits during 2018. Mm. 33,500,000,000. <laughs> Holy cow. Those are crazy stats. Mm-hmm. I would say that based on those stats, Rosie, it's safe to say that there is a porn epidemic. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say I have uh, some more stats as well, okay. which are interesting. Okay. Sunday is the most popular day of the week for viewing porn. Hmm. And Thanksgiving is the most popular <laughs> day for viewing porn as well. They need to get away from their family? I don't understand. I don't know either. And I was going to say it, the interesting, because um, you, you said something about um, – uh, lesbian being the uh, number yeah. one search. Um, according to this thing that I'm watching, or this statistic that I'm looking at. Um, <laughs> what are you watching? <laughs> no, yeah. The, this, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, you didn't, you, you, you didn't catch me. <laughs> no, um, it's not a Freudian slip. The, uh, uh, that's the, the, the lesbian is the uh, most viewed by far of women category. Oh, by women or of women? By women. Oh, okay. Wow. So interesting. It's. Uh, uh, I was going to say uh, maybe just to riff on that a little bit. Um, I was going to say I, I think it, it's interesting to see all this. Uh, the I, I think going back to the societal issue uh, you know we're the, the the talk about a uh, you know does the law follow uh, the culture the, does the culture lead you know what i mean yeah like yeah. which one comes first the, the culture um or politics you know they always say politics are downstream of culture culture moves the politics yeah. and i think it's interesting and i have some more stuff i want to read but just the rise of the LGBTQ plus seven, eight, nine, whatever, <laughs> all this stuff like that. I think that there's a real thing and we have to, it, it might be a conversation for another day. You, you literally, that, you got to just ask them the question. Why are you gay? <laughs> <laughs> and I was going to say, uh, I think the answer to that increasingly now is because of the porn that is watched. Right. You know? Yeah. And, um, it, I can, I want to go into a little bit of this, but this is, so that's some of the statistics about porn itself. So it's obviously, I I guess we laid the foundation, I think of this is something that needs to be talked about. Yeah. And so I've got some facts that, um, maybe people don't want to hear or, or a little bit more personal or may trigger, (laughs) I don't want (laughs) to say that word, but, um, Here's some, it says, here's some need to know facts about porn. People who admit to having extramarital affairs were over 300% more likely to admit consuming porn than those who had never had an affair. Whoa. Yes. 300%. And I don't think this one has it, but I I remember reading something 
that it said um, like recently uh, they published these statistics and I, I don't want to I have too many tabs open right now that I don't want to go <laughs> opening a new one but I think it was something insane and someone like if you don't believe me go fact check it but I'm pretty sure it's around 75% of all cases of people getting divorced pornography was one of like the top one or two issues mm-hmm. in causing yeah, divorce. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me. Like an addiction. It wasn't even that. It was just that it was, yeah, I guess it, based on, um, yeah, I was going to say the de- definition of addi- addi- ad- addiction. Um, but yeah, it was quoted as one of the top like one or two problems in 75% of all marriages hmm. going up for divorce. Um, wow, man. So it says, uh, though many, yeah, though many people use porn to quote unquote relax or relieve stress, it can cause more hen- mental health issues in both men and women. According to the study, these include anxiety, depression, insecurity, and body image issues, to name a few. Hmm. Men who view pornography are more likely to suffer from erectile dysfunction than yeah. men who do not consume pornography yeah uh people who view porn regularly are less likely to get married than those who do not this is because consumers see porn as a substitute for marital sexual gratification that's according to a study whoa that's crazy yes so uh see i think now as we're uh, some of these maybe uh there people are starting to get uh, hit, you know, hit a little harder. Yeah. Cool. Hey, I'm, do you I, wanna, yeah, I need yes, to stop for a second. Just, yep. Yep. Thanks. Dude, that's just crazy when you think about the damaging effects of pornography. Mm-hmm. It's just insane to me. Um, yeah. It just trickles into every area, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, check this out. You read some stats about this, but this is pretty, Yeah. Every day, there are 116,000 searches for child pornography. Gosh. Yeah. Porn users who are addicted to porn and have damaged, uh, it says, porn users who are addicted to porn have damaged and shrunken frontal lobes. Yeah. Mm. This can impede problem solving abilities. Uh, so the researcher said, <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't. Uh, I worded that weird. Didn't wasn't ready for the end of the sentence. Um, but that makes sense to says, me, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, like that's like your that's like your critical thinking area, the frontal lobe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it says uh, this 2010 study shows that more people that the more people use pornography, the more likely they are to believe that violence against women is excess is acceptable. Mm. And it said uh, the study which drew this conclusion also noted an increase in overall aggression that came with pornography yeah. consumption. And I, I, I want to kind of stop right there because I think it's interesting. To, I think this is something that we can talk about. Uh, I guess the, the issues obviously with uh, pornography and all this stuff. But I, I, I just that particular to stop right there because it's – I'll just read that again. 
It says a 2010 study shows that pe- the more that people use pornography, the more likely they are to believe that violence against women is acceptable. And there's an increase in overall aggression that came with pornography consumption. Hmm. And I got some other things about this. Uh, I want to, I think it's really important and I hope, I don't know, <laughs> it's going to get a little, it's going to get a little uh, morbid, I guess. Yeah. But I saw this other article and it said how violent porn fueled a 400% rise in child on child assaults in the UK. Hmm. Yes. Child on child. Yeah. So it says, uh, the con- uh, in a report by the Daily Mail, convictions of rape by those aged under 17 have almost doubled in just four years. So is that an indication that young people are viewing the Yeah. The por- okay, okay. Yeah. And it said uh, uh, a representative from the country's Ministry of Justice has warned that extreme pornography is fueling this alarming rise in the number of child offenders. It says experts say that violent pornography is influencing children to act out the aggressive hardcore scenes they see online. Yeah. In one example, in one case, an 11-year-old boy admitted seven counts of rape and sexual assault on boys under 13 after he watched similar explicit images online. Legal officials involved in the case said it was clear that internet pornography had sparked the sex attacks. Wow. Wow, man. Jeez. Yeah. And it's, yeah, so it's a 400, I'm not going to read, there's all these, uh, 400%, is that what you said? It's 400%. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it said, uh, a a national society for prevention of cruelty to children recently conducted a survey in the UK of more than a thousand children aged 11 to 16 found that at least half had been exposed to online porn of this group. Almost all 94% had seen it by age 14. In the same survey, many boys revealed that they wanted to copy the behavior they had seen watching porn. More than a third, 39%, of 13 to 14-year-olds who responded to this question and a fifth of 11 to 12-year-olds wanted to repeat porn acts. Mm. The interesting part, these answers came despite more than three-quarters of the kids agreeing that porn didn't help them understand consent. Wow. Man. And... um. And, yeah, and so think about that though, like you, the stat that you led off this thing with was that the consumption, massive consumption of pornography damages the frontal lobe, which mm-hmm. is your ability to critical think, make decisions. And really, it's really like, um, well, this is an issue like with young men, uh, mm-hmm. in particular teenage boys, they don't have, uh, that, that frontal lobe hasn't grown and matured to connect or whatever. I, I'm not sure the proper medical term for it. Um, and there are various things that can stunt the growth of that, like marijuana, um, a lot of consumption of alcohol at a young age. And there, it seems to be an area that seems to be very um, susceptible to, to, to prohibiting growth. Um, and then, so when you think about that connection of that frontal lobe, not, you know, it's being hindered and then yeah. the being so young, and then the acting out without a conscience or the morality of it is being is is it's hard to reach into that morality part of it because it's not developed in their mind yet their brain right and i think 
it says one here. One of the most unsettling findings of the survey was that over, uh, it said 53% of the boys believed that the porn they had seen was realistic. Hmm. They believed that what they view in porn is an accurate depiction of sex and sexuality. And it said 39% of girls believed the same. Wow. So, wow. so they're trying to be porn stars. Yeah. As kids. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you could say that. Um, and I think the, the thing, the, the thing that I let off with this is that the more that people watch porn, the more violent towards women they, they mm-hmm. get. And, um, and like we had talked about, I, I don't know. Um, not that I, I'll say this as anecdotally cause I don't know firsthand. Um, but you, you always hear this anecdotally said that, um, you know, the, you know, the porn that, you know, you hear all these, I don't want to say boomers or anything like that, but older people that were alive and I guess went through this that, you know, you hear about in the eighties and the nineties before the internet or, you know, on VHS tapes or, you know, the old porn of like the eighties, you know, stuff like that. Or magazines. Right. It was like, I don't know. It's just like the anecdotal story of, you know, you'd you'd sneak a playboy from someone's older brother. That was, was that was my life. Like, (laughs) because I'm all, I'm a lot older than you are. Yeah. Yeah. At 12 years old, we, my buddy's dad had a stack of playboys in the bottom of his toolbox in his garage. So we'd go over and grab a bunch and sneak them out and go look at them. Yeah. And, and and I mean, even the hardcore pornography of like the eighties you, you hear is like, again, I'm not trying to sound coy or anything. I just don't know about it is that it was, it wasn't as aggressive as it is now. Right. And that's one of the things that along, and this is one of the things I will say, I don't think that the culture is getting more aggressive and we've already talked about the way that just porn on its own affects the hu- you know the the person perceiving and watching it it mm-hmm. changes you mm-hmm. at the same time the type of porn becoming more violent and stuff like that is is just it's way past you know it, it's the one that's driving do you think people do you think that that comes out of the addiction so right. like the more I, that you watch like the more it the less impact it has so you have to kind of step it up a little bit is yeah it, I, yeah i was gonna say that I, I have some stuff about that too and one of the reasons why uh i want to get back because there's some other interesting stuff but it, it is interesting that the uh i think uh, I, I know that there's a, a bunch of so chemically a lot of this stuff in your brain when they talk about addiction um you have uh, different drugs and different things affect, uh, and again, I'm not a doctor, I just have read some stuff, is that there's neurotransmitters in the brain mm-hmm. that um, get released. Yeah, the dopamine. Dopamine, norepinephrine. Um, serotonin there, levels. I serotonin, think. yeah, there's yeah. only a, there's, I think there's four or five different ones in the brain, and there's a bunch that get rewarded because just basic biology of the brain is you know i can say basic is your brain rewards good behavior with things that um with like a a a shot of dopamine and it feels good um you know like a drug like uh ecstasy the way that it works is it it 
completely uh, dumps all of the um, I can't remember which one in the I think it might be do- dopamine, and it just it literally depletes all of the brain's dopamine at once. Mm-hmm. And so then afterward, yeah. So that's why they you feel so good because ecstasy, it, right? <laughs> yeah, it's an ecstasy, and so it dumps all the stuff. In the same way, um, the brain does that when you uh, have an orgasm, uh, and typically, like that's supposed to happen. There, there are other aspects of just feeling good. Right. Um, when you get the drug, there's, you know, bonding that happens, I guess in a normal loving biblical marriage, the way that porn, uh, not porn, uh, <laughs> sex is supposed to, to supposed to work is that those, um, you know, you, obviously you can speak more to this than I am. I'm not married that the, the, the thing they help bond with a, a specific, oh, Sex is, sex is healing in a marriage. It's, yeah, it brings you into one becoming one. Right. Yeah. When it's, um, when it's done right, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like the, the ideal, so that's why the brain does that is it, um, it's supposed to, you know, you feel love for your wife or your husband and they feel the same way, you know, that's how the bodies are supposed to work. Right. right. Um, that they both are releasing these things that make you actually feel love, mm-hmm. you know, like not, not just in a spiritual sense. So porn basically in masturbation is skipping the bonding things and the spiritual aspect of porn. Um, so you're not getting any of that, but you're just getting the physical uh, dopamine release and the, um, the feeling of intimacy, uh, you know, not, not actual intimacy, but um, that kind of bonding experience with it, it comes through your brain. So it releases these um, things. And the brain, this is really interesting, and this is what happens with addicts, is that the brain has these neural pathways, which are actually, you know, the way that they carry signals back and forth and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. So that the brain, that it, you know, when you're learning a skill, your brain eventually figures it out and it uh, is able to um, pump chemicals in different ways and change pathways and change how the brain functions. And again, I'm not a scientist. I'm just, this is an idiot's way of trying to explain right. it. Um, <laughs> but the, the consumption of porn literally Re- rewires these neural pathways in the brain in the same way that like doing heroin does because um you know like for the the first time you, you do heroin i mean the first time someone does heroin they don't have that receptor um that you know the brain doesn't know how to uh, uh it's foreign it's foreign right. right and then after the thing is laid the groundwork is laid so anyway that's how the path. brain works Right. And the, so as people start to watch pornography, the brain starts rewiring these pleasure centers in order to pump out these chemicals. And it literally rewires the brain. The brain is different and it functions differently than it would before looking at porn. And it takes a long time of abstinence to have the brain. The great thing about the brain is that it can kind of clear itself out and it can heal and um, yeah heal itself but it, it you know it takes 
it takes away, you know, it takes time to do that. And one of the reasons I think like what you're getting at, um, with, uh, um, they call it tolerances, you know, like, uh, the basically, you know, if you're, if you drink, uh, beer every, every night and you are, you know, there's a certain, you know, a weight to alcohol thing percentage, uh, of someone's body, everyone's different, how you absorb alcohol and stuff like that on a physical level. But eventually you're going to need more and more beer to reach the same level right. because your brain becomes used to it. Those neural pathways are already wired. And so you build up a tolerance. Right. Right. And so that's why you, if you consistently do it, you consistently need more. And so the same way with the porn is that the sexual tastes, um, you need more and more extreme stuff as those uh, with as those neural pathways are are laid in order to get the same level of uh i guess gratification and so that's why you see all these people start um reaching out to more and more extreme stuff or taboo stuff and all that kind of stuff and so um that's how you get to this violent pornography is that, you know, if, if you think about someone and the average person or child starts watching it at 14, by the time they're 18, you know, if they, if they're watching it every day and, you know, masturbating, the tolerance is built, you know, fairly quickly. Yeah. And right, so by the right. time they're 18, they need really aggressive stuff or stuff that they, never, you know, thought about. And I, I, I think it's, um, I don't know how to properly phrase this, but, uh, and I, I don't want to say this by letting people off the hook because I'm not going to let, <laughs> I, I don't intend to do that, but there's like stuff or, um, you, you read, I've read about stuff or I've heard stories or, uh, have known people that know people that hear this stuff is that, um, you know, people that eventually wind up looking at child pornography or stuff like this, or these people that get, um, uh, you know, in trouble for their stuff, they always say like, it didn't start out that way. Right. Right. And yeah. I think that that's the point I'm trying to say. I'm pretty not far to, like, down the path is what you're saying. Right. Of and the addiction. You, and if you, you know, how did it start off? I, I would imagine a good number of them say, oh, it was just normal, you know, I was looking at normal vanilla stuff and then eventually it wasn't enough and I started looking at that and then it's new and exciting and I get more dopamine and that's what that's what happens. Yeah. So Yeah, addiction's a tricky thing and, and it's super subtle. Yeah. The way and uh, so I, I want to kind of this is, uh, I have this other article where it talks about, uh, so since we're talking about this escalation and all this stuff, the, uh, there's a couple different, um, things that happen with perpetrators of sexual abuse, the, the guys that actually are aggressive and this is how porn affects them. So I'm going to read one then read how the porn affects it. So, uh, hostile masculinity says, says men who have hostile masculinity characteristics tend to be angry towards women and or distrust women. Um, and they have a desire to dominate and control women. They're likely to believe rape myths, especially rape myths, rape myths about sexual 
women's sexual behaviors and desires. Hmm. And it says, uh, porn routinely promotes characteristics of hostile masculinity, including depictions of men being angry at women and men seeking revenge on women through painful, unwanted, or humiliating sexual acts. Prom um, pornography frequently promotes, uh, I'm going to, uh, it says traditional gender norms, mm -hmm. but that's, you know, yeah. pornography, <laughs> uh, including the belief that men should be aggressive and dominant while women should be passive and compliant. It seems likely that if men constantly receive these messages about how men and women are supposed to behave, they will be influenced by this. It says research about perpetrators reveals that some men view rape as a way to punish women for being absurdive, being opinionated or acting in ways that do not match stereotypical feminine behaviors. Um, so another thing that, uh, these similar, uh, whatever it says a belief in rape myths, Yeah, rape, rape myths are attitudes or beliefs that are generally false, but are widely and persistently held and that they serve to deny and justify male sexual aggression towards women. Uh, and this is saying examples are when women say no, they secretly mean yes. Women who dress provocatively flirt or drink want to have sex this is a myth uh one that womenly women secretly enjoy being sexually assaulted um uh, a myth is men have a hard time understanding women and communicating with women mm. and that men commit rape because they cannot control their sexual impulses or because they're influenced by drugs those are all myths it says <laughs> and it says Pornography routinely promotes rape myths, especially myths related to women saying no when they secretly mean yes and s women secretly or eventually enjoying physical and sexual assaults even when they are being humiliated or hurt. Jeez. If men frequently yeah. watch porn that promotes – excuse me. If men frequently watch porn that promotes ideas that women enjoy sexual violence and humiliation – they must certainly internalize these ideas to some extent, even if they say that, that they understand pornography is just a fantasy. Um, yeah, there's, and I'll just go through it. And I think you guys can, uh, I'll just read the, the West. You guys can pick up on, you could probably figure them out. <laughs> impersonal sex. Uh, yeah. Men have a tendency for impersonal sex and they tend to perform short term, frequent casual encounters um, and they do not view sex as an activity that creates emotional closeness between women, uh, between people. Uh, so you can understand how porn does that. A lack of empathy, uh, mm -hmm. sexual narcissism. And this is men who are sexually narcissistic are willing to manipulate people in order to gain sexual access. It's all about them. Obviously, porn, you know, masturbation is the ultimate right. sexual narcissism and it's yeah. his lack of emotional and social attachments mm. so so you know that's all coming from <laughs> you know the the thing that i read about all of that stuff increase and obviously we're not here to say if you look at porn you're gonna go and become a rapist or right, you know, right. anything like that but this this is the stuff that the porn really messes with you and I just thought it was really interesting that there is a connection between, you know, rapists and stuff like that and pornography. Um, and I, uh, I have this, uh, this is, I, I hope 
people aren't getting too bored of this, but uh, uh, here are some quotes about from serial killers. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> and their uh, oh, pornography man. habits. Okay. This is, this is something that, like, when I started researching this, you know. The dark um, side of porn. <laughs> yeah. Is there a light side? <laughs> I, no. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, uh, and these are pretty short quotes. It says, uh, serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer of Wisconsin, speaking of his routine before hunting for a victim, said, just using pictures of past victims, the pornography videos, and the magazines. So he would look at porn before hmm. going out to... Past hunt. victims, too. Gross. Yeah. Um, Ted Bundy uh, said it. Uh, and he actually have a longer quote from him. He actually... Uh, his last interview that he did uh, the night before his death he actually sat down with uh, Dr. James Dobson hmm. and filmed an interview with him and he talked about pornography um, and he said uh, like most other addictions, uh, most other kinds of addiction, I would keep looking for more potent, more explicit, more graphic kinds of material hmm. like an addiction, you keep craving something that is harder, harder, something which gives you a greater sense of excitement until you reach the point that pornography only goes so far. Uh, Bundy added, I've lived in prison a long time now. I met a lot of men who were motivated to commit violence just like me. And without exception, every one of them was deeply involved in pornography. Without question, without exception, deeply influenced and consumed by addiction to pornography. And wow. that was... Uh, you know, he was killed in uh, January 1989. Was it that long ago? I did not know yeah. that. Wow. So That was just before think, the internet like, was really yeah. booming with that. Yeah. So just think of, and, and again, you know, the anecdotes of the porn being a lot less violent than it is nowadays. Um, uh, Arthur Bishop from Utah executed for raping and murdering five boys in the 18, uh, 1980 said pornography's effect on me was devastating. Andre Chikatilo, a Russian serial killer murdered at least 53 women and children he said with naked, with pictures of naked women in his prison cell, he blamed pornography as the cause of his troubles. Um, obviously that's not true. It's not all porn, but, uh, Ed Gein, uh, who is uh, probably the guy that uh, the movie, you know, the movie Psycho and Silence of the Lambs were based on. He yeah, had yeah, yeah. Lot, lots of porn in the 1950s. Oh, my gosh. Uh, John Wayne Gacy's wife filed for divorce in 1976 because Gacy's moods had become erratic and she found Gacy's pornographic magazine collection, which all centered around young boys. Oh. He killed at least 33 young men and boys. And it, uh, there's just, it goes on. Uh, I'll just read off the other names. The BTK murder, David Berkowitz, the son of Sam, Richard Ramirez, who was uh, the Night Stalker, mm -hmm. Ed, Ed Kemper uh, did that, Otis Toole, uh, Lonnie Franklin Jr., Tia Sharp, a girl, a 12-year-old girl. Mm. Uh, this is interesting. In the two 2013 murder case of Tia Sharp, a 12-year-old girl from the UK, the judge declared to murderer Stuart Hazel. Sorry, so I got that wrong. Uh, the records on your internet searching on your mobile phone make it abundantly abundantly clear that you are looking out for pornography, 
pornographic pictures of young preteen girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another uh, serial killer named Mark Bridger. So there is some serial killers talking about yeah. their connection. So, <laughs> wow. Um, uh, so, okay. Oh. We're obviously not stating that if you look at porn, you're going to become a serial killer. Right, right, right. What right. we're trying to do is shed light on the fact that pornography pays, plays a great role in the degeneracy of an individual in multiple facets, uh, not only from a physiological standpoint, from testosterone levels to your frontal lobe of your brain not developing clearly to dopamine and serotonin and all these other chemicals that are physiological, but how those things affect your mental condition and your state of being and how also they add to the fact that depression and other, you know, mental, uh, you know, implications come into play. Uh, for instance, I know that, um, that they say that people that view regular view pornography also struggle with addiction with, uh, with, uh, depression. And they're tying that in with what you were talking about earlier with when you get this dopamine dump and you get that reward from looking at it, then there's no connection. There's, it's not, it's not a, um, the payout the way that it was designed by our creator to be. The creator had designed it that it would be in a very deep, intimate connection with another human being. And it would, uh, lend itself to, um, it would actually be useful for connecting with that individual, you know, in particular, biblically, your spouse. But um, right. when you view pornography, you not only do you shortcut that out of there, but you also shortcut all the other things that come with a relationship that are healthy, you know, like the dating and the interaction, interacting and, um, you know, the the sex in a really healthy relationship, marriage in particular, is really, that's the, you know, the pardon the pun, but that's the cherry on top, you know? Um, And what it does is it creates an addiction in a young mind, in a young person that um, is very demanding. And it brings them into a place that just demoralizes them as an individual. And it just takes away so much of their life, you know? I think it's worse than some drug addictions, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the effects, the long-term effects are like, we still don't know how this is going to play out because we're the first generation to be raised with cell phones is I think a little bit younger than you are. So, yeah. so we, we don't know because we do know that the average age of, age of exposure is like 12 years old now, even younger, mm-hmm. probably, probably nine years old. So, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I want to read. The, I have this interesting thing that um, I don't know. I, I don't know how to set this up, but um, I, I tweeted this out like a year ago, a couple of years ago. I, I was looking for this, and it. I basically said, when the elites want you to do something, <laughs> it's usually like a bad thing. Right. So I found this. I think it's really interesting. It ties in with what you said. It's an article from Psychology Today, Hmm. and uh, it says how to resolve the conflict between our values and our choices, and uh, it's talking about all these ways to um, 
basically become more open-minded and all this stuff. <laughs> and uh, one of the six ways to develop um, uh, oh, this the title change. The six ways to develop sexual integrity. Hmm. So to develop sexual integrity, and the number third, number three is watch more porn. <laughs> so listen to what listen to what the psych and psychology is overwhelmingly is very 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 left wing pro porn like, huh? pro porn. I mean, even from you go back to the. The guys, uh, you know, Carl Jung, uh, Freud, the the architects of modern yeah. uh, psychology. Uh, Carl Jung had tons of affairs and was, you know, sleeping with all his clients, his female clients and stuff like that. But uh, He so, also had a dream about a giant penis. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, a <laughs> giant penis, a big black giant penis, like six feet tall. I didn't know that. Yeah, phallic, wow. big phallic symbol. Yeah. I did. You said, "Did you know?" I did not know that. There you go. You hit me with one. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but uh, so listen to this. An interesting effect happens as people watch pornography; they become more egalitarian and more supportive of women and men sharing roles and work. They become less accepted of gender-based discrimination. They also become more accepting of sexual diversity and less stigmatizing towards homosexuality. They become less religious and may even experience more crises of faith. So mm. they're saying this as a good thing. <laughs> this is a good thing. Oh my goodness. Enjoying porn leads to people changing their beliefs about sex and gender, and in some cases rejecting the dogmatically rigid sex-gender values they were taught in church it says our society is becoming less dogmatic about sex more egalitarian and more accepting of sexual diversity where our pain and struggles emerge from a conflict between these different sets of values watching porn may in some cases lead to people being more accepting and less judgmental both of themselves and others hmm. uh, yeah hmm. so right there when you have when they're telling you these uh, psychology today is saying watch porn because it'll make you less religious. You'll have more crises of faith. You'll start to question uh, the ideals of the church. Mm -hmm. You'll start uh, becoming more accepting of homosexuality. Uh, you'll be less rigid about uh, sex and gender. <laughs> you know, that's where you get all this, you know, all the different genders and you'll all just, stuff. You'll just become a contemporary person, just so yeah. so modern and 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 progressive. Right. So <laughs> they specifically tie that to watching porn. Okay. So. Okay. So those are interesting stati statistics, but I wanted I want to talk to to those of us who are in the faith for a second. Yes. Because we're not immune. In fact. Christians and online porn, on just online porn. Um, I found some statistics, and I'm just going to share them. Research provides evidence that college men who frequently participate in religious activities are less likely to engage in sexual aggressive and coerc coercive behaviors. That was according to a, the Journal of Scientific Study in, of Religion in May of 2018. A 2016 Barna study. Barna was a is a Christian study group. It says that teens and young adults view not recycling 
as more immoral than viewing pornography. <laughs> Holy cow. So if you don't recycle, young adults and teens say you are more immoral than someone who views pornography. And this is religious people. Yeah, these are Christians. Okay. Um, <laughs> survey responses, 88% stealing, 56% not recycling, 32% viewing porn as something that was immoral. Pastors, most pastors, 57%, and youth pastors, 64%, admit that they struggle with porn either currently or in the past. I would say that that number is way higher than 57%. Hmm. I don't know a living human male that doesn't struggle with pornography or lust once they've seen it. Right. It's opening up a gateway that is so easy to get to and so gratifying. It is nearly impossible to walk away from it. Um, you, I think that it would be those that have the gift of celibacy from the Holy Spirit, like it's truly their gift, uh, would be able to like not struggle with it because of the gift of the Holy Spirit. But it's truly a, a flesh-wounded, uh, flesh-consuming thing. You know what I mean? So uh, it's saying 57% of, of pastors and 64% of youth pastors struggle with porn. <laughs> Think about that for a minute. These are the yeah. these are the men, you know, these are the people that are, you know, discipling your children, our youth. Right. <laughs> over over 60% of them struggle with porn. Okay. Um, what are they going to tell? Like, it's just really amazing to me. Um, 41% of males practicing Christians and 13% of females practicing Christians, ages 13 to 24, are actively seeking porn at least once or twice a month. 21% mm -hmm. of Christian men, 2% of Christian women say they think they might be addicted to pornography mm -hmm. or aren't sure if they are, compared to 10% and 4% of non-Christians, men and women. Mm -hmm. And then the last stat, 28% of Christian men and 11% of Christian women say they were first exposed to pornography before the age of 12, compared to 23% of non-Christian men and 24% of non-Christian women. Hmm. So it is lower. It is a little better. The stats are a little better. But I think mm -hmm. some of that is because of the way that the church has positioned itself against this thing. They, you know, they shame people. The There's been, in the church, there's been a dramatic shaming of anyone you know, you go to a, a men's group and you might have someone that's willing to admit that they're addicted to porn or that they struggle with it or that mm -hmm. it's causing negative, you know, effects in their marriage or something like that. And um, and you got guys around them that are like, oh, man, we're praying for you, praying for you. But secretly inside, they're dealing with the same struggles, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and they're just yeah. not willing to maybe admit it. Um, I think it's much higher than what what is being reported Honestly. Oh yeah. And that comes sure. from that comes just from being sixteen years in ministry. Mm -hmm. You know, um, that's a that's like if you want a sample size, like I have sixteen years of men coming to me, <laughs> you know, young adult men and uh, men that are married have been married for twenty years coming to me and saying, Hey, you know, can you pray for me? Can you help me? I have a real problem here. I can't stop viewing this. Mm -hmm. Um and so uh I think those numbers are higher. Um, yeah. and it's, that's in the church. That's for us that are filled with the Holy spirit that live, you know, by faith that know the Lord that are called out, you know, that's us. Um, so I wanted to read a verse though, if I could, 
Yeah. This it's a very common verse for this topic, but it's very applicable. And um there's a lot of grace in it. So I just wanna um read it. It's it's first Corinthians six and it just says in verse twelve, You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that your bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us, raise us from the dead by his power, just as he raised our Lord Jesus from the dead. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is a part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Uh, never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scriptures say that the two are united into one, but the person who is joined to the Lord is one in spirit with him. So, uh, and then he goes on to say, run from sexual sin. No other sin is so clearly affects our body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against our own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? Do you not belong? You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor him with your body. Mm. Um, great verses, just really yeah. good, solid verses. Flee it, run from it. Um, you mentioned something that was interesting that when someone is dealing with an addiction and they, they try and move away from it, there's a, a timeline that goes with that, um, moving away and an abstinence that will help repair and re rewire their brains and that addiction that that craving addiction will begin to get weaker and weaker as the longer it goes on mm-hmm. and um it, so it, that's where it's really good to have people around you support you to encourage you that aren't going to judge you that are going to you know let you be transparent and uh, hold you up you know and 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 maybe even check in on you and be like hey how'd you do this week you know Was, yeah. and and when you get the victory, they get the victory too, mm-hmm. because they're walking with you. Um, and so I just, I think that, um, I just think that the church has done a pretty poor job. Uh, I, I don't, I don't say in general, but I do think that this is an epidemic. It's a big problem. And I just don't know if the church really knows what to do to help, help our men in particular, right. our men. Cause I think if our men, get set free, then they'll lead the way. Mm-hmm. That's typically how it works. Yeah. You know, especially in the church. Right. But, um, and I was going to say that maybe to lead this on a good note, um, <laughs> and kind of go from this is that there, um, there are a lot of really good, uh, thing, uh, apps out there, I guess nowadays, um, uh, uh, products, uh, services, uh, mm-hmm. uh, software. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that are specifically made for Christians for Christian, uh, I guess, yeah, both men and women that, uh, can do all this stuff. You know, it, it, nowadays it is, you know, it's so much harder to, it's everywhere. Yeah. You know, it's everywhere. But at the same time, 
there are there are things out there that make it easier to do. So you know, in a very pra- I, I like being very practical. Is that there are tons of things out there. I think some of them may be free. Uh, all the ones I know of, I think you have to pay for mm-hmm. for uh, for very little. It's not not very much. Um, that do set up um, you know uh, blocks and they send. Uh, I, I know there's one in particular that. I've been a, uh, I've had friends do, and uh, I've been, uh, you know, so basically it'll block, it's called Covenant Eyes, mm-hmm. I know is one of them, that'll yeah. block all that stuff, and it, the best thing about it is it holds you accountable, because it sends a list of all your search history to the person <laughs> automatically. To an you, individual, yeah. To an individual, so it keeps you a uh, thing, but at the same time, and I think it's it's really cool is that uh, in society, um you know, it's gone so far left and crazy and sexual freedom and, you know, of the, the sixties and this free love and all that, uh, uh, sexual immorality really, again, like the court, we can see how all of a sudden the, the, the culture changed the perception of the government and the, the laws. And, um, you know, because after in the, you know, 63, all of a sudden you have, uh, Roe v. Wade abortion is made legal, you know, all this, uh, stuff so there, there's real world effects and in the same way i think now we're seeing um a reversal of this stuff as people you know i know a lot of men they call it no fap it's this uh yeah yeah uh thing out there this uh where a community i guess is the best term where guys hold themselves accountable and like to other guys out there that really are uh that are trying to quit porn and they, they do it successfully. And, uh, there's lots of people, tons of millions of people that have stopped watching porn guys and girls that can do it, you know? So yeah, it's not, yeah. it's not hopeless. I like, I, I think a lot of it is pretty black billing, you know, to, <laughs> you know, you hear all this stuff about how terrible porn is and you're like, but it's everywhere. You know, there is, there's hope. And, you know, I was going to say, I don't want to write it off as so much, uh, you know, it's kind of easy cause it's not, it is a big deal. But say like, you know, God can deliver you from that. You know, if you can, yeah, if we have right. the same spirit in us that raised Christ from the dead, uh, it can help us stop looking at porn. You know oh yeah. I mean? Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, there, I would say that's gotta be your first resource that you tap into. Right. Exactly. Is, is the Lord, the Holy Spirit. Like, yeah. and, and, and then f- surround yourself with, oh yeah, I need some digital oversight. And, and so I'm going to have some accountability with, you know, covenant eyes or whatever. There's, there's multiple mm-hmm. services. And then I'm also going to have some real life people in my life that are going to, uh, accept me, love me and push me and point me towards what is right and holy. Um, it's like a full circle, like yeah, a lot of, and that's, and what you're touching on is so important, Rosie, is that so many People try and fight this in the in the, you know, in by themselves. Yeah, yeah, in in the dark by themselves. And there's something incredible, f- incredibly freeing and re- and powerful that happens when when Christians reveal their sin to one another, and it loses its power over that individual. Mm-hmm. It breaks it really in a, in a huge way. When you try and fight it in the dark by yourself so no one will know, that's a pride thing. And mm-hmm. you're it's the total opposite of what's required for repentance anyways, because humility is what's required. 
And I was going to say, it's uh, like fighting in the dark. It's, it's so funny because uh, at the same time, it's like God can see everything. So right. yeah. <laughs> it's like you're never really in the dark. And most of the time people, uh, you know, it, it's, you can tell if you you're, tell. if you have a, if you're married, uh, if you have community at all, like that's, that's very, that you're transparent with, they can tell when things like this are in your life are active. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can tell when I meet with a guy, if, you know, if, if I'm some kind of counseling or whatever, and we're in public at a coffee shop or whatever, I can tell where a person is spiritually in this part of their life just by observing them when a hot chick walks in, Yeah, you know, they'll look or they'll, then they'll realize they're talking to me and then they'll turn back or whatever. And I don't always judge based on that. Trust me. I don't because I've been weak myself many times in my life. I have a hilarious story about my wife and I, um, it's not one of my favorite stories to tell, but it, it's real. It's what happened. Um, do you mind if I share it? Yeah, please. Okay. She, she's, she, <laughs> she's awesome. My wife's awesome. We went to a restaurant it, this is, uh, gosh, we had been married. Uh, my oldest, who's in her 20s now, is probably, she was probably like a baby. Anyways, um, I'm standing at the front desk to put our name on a list. And um, the way that the restaurant was designed, the bar was off to the right of this desk. And um, to the left was the restaurant. And this woman walks out of the bar area. And I kid you not, she was falling out of her top and very low cut everything. I don't, I'll spare you the details, but she just, every, I'm, I'm telling you everybody that was in that waiting area as she walked by because she was, the way she was dressed and her physique and all of that stuff, mm-hmm. watched her walk out of the bar towards the restaurant. And I'm standing there at the desk and of course she caught my eye. She's walking right in front of me. And as she's walking by, I'm, following her and as I get to my left like I'm going from right to left as I get to my left my wife is right there (laughs) and she whispers in my ear do you want me to take a picture (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) you know you feel like the worst dude ever you feel like the weakest man oh gosh and uh you know the cool thing was is that she's not my wife doesn't live in a bubble she knows that I'm a man she knows mm-hmm. that I'm, you know, I'm attracted to her. She's gorgeous. So obviously gorgeous women are attractive, right? So mm-hmm. uh, she was very realistic about it and she didn't take offense to it and didn't take it personal. Like, oh my gosh, he just looked at this stunning woman with 84 double Ds or whatever they were, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that were literally in front of his face. Um, but uh, this is, a, this is what I, I guess the whole point of my story was that, like you got to have people in your life that can actually know you and can walk with you through it. Mm -hmm. And that, um, but first use the first resource that is the best, which is the resurrection power of Jesus. Get the Holy spirit, man, get on your knees, ask for forgiveness, ask to be cleansed and then turn your heart towards him and ask for his power to enter into your life. Uh, it's amazing what God will do when a person humbles himself that way. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, and then share what you did with a close brother and say, look, man, I got on my knees today and repented from some sin that I've been, you know, doing and I need I need you to help me. Yeah, I've never 
in that type of a humble, you know, attitude towards it, I've never seen a, a, a mature Christian brother like forsake another Christian brother. Yeah. No, they link arms and they're like, dude, I'm so glad you said that, man. I struggle too. Let's do this. Let's rock mm-hmm. and roll, man. Let's let's get clean. Let's get fresh. No, wait, that's not the right word. Not get fresh. <laughs> let's get clean. Let's yeah. get strong. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I, I was gonna say I have a couple things that I wanna finish this off with. Oh, okay. And then no more uh, serial killers though? No, no. Okay. Well, Are we past that part of the podcast? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I do well, I, I want to leave you with some bad stuff and oh. then some good stuff. <laughs> okay, all right. So I think I think it's really important to uh, talk about there's because it's been it's been in the news lately. Um, uh, going at, attacking, we we talked about Pornhub, the site, the number one porn uh, site. Yeah, yeah. I think online right now. Yeah, and they're calling it. Uh, Oh, it's called Pornhub. I'm sorry. And there, there's been this huge, there's like a, been a petition. I think over half a million people have signed it to shut it down. Wow. And, uh, that's because there have been numerous, 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 uh, times. Uh, I'll just say, I'll read this one thing. Pornhub's official Twitter account admitted that they verified a 15-year-old girl who was trafficked and raped in 58 videos that were uploaded oh, to the site. Jeez. And so I, I, I want to say, you know, we talked about stuff about porn um, and that may be under the auspices of just, or the understanding that, you know, these are professional, you know, these are professional people, they're paying, everything's consensual. <laughs> you all right there, buddy? Yeah, my cat just snuck down oh. and started <laughs> jumping on me. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so we've been talking about you know like all this pornography under the auspices of uh, that these are professionals that they're uh, you know engaging in you know uh, consensual stuff. Um, you know, there's people on set. It's very you know. It, I guess above board and stuff like that, you know, Mm -hmm. professional at the same time, a lot of this stuff that I I just, I guess want to kind of scare people a little bit is that there is a lot of stuff on these websites that is child pornography that you may be watching. You don't know it. And it might be, there's literally just every day I'm seeing all this stuff of people finding out that they're, like rape videos are being mm, posted goodness. on there and they're being monetized by Pornhub. Hmm. So Pornhub's making money off this and they're, so there's definitely a downside, you know, a dark side. We talked about the child pornography and stuff. It's very real. It's hmm. out there. And, um, if people keep watch, if there's no money to be made in it, then eventually, these sites will close down and stuff like that. But I just wanted to, uh, you know, kind of very real that there's a lot of stuff out there is very evil. Mm-hmm. And, um, th- that's a, a very, you know, th- it's just, it's mind boggling that there, the stuff is out there, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so keep that in mind. And, uh, you know, if, if even for that, uh, stop, but, yeah. uh, so I was going to say, here are some 
things I, I want to start, I'll end it with this, at least for me, is benefits for, this is coming from the male perspective of quitting porn. Okay. All right. So um, motivation comes back. Obviously, uh, you know, we talked about all of the way that the brain makes you depressed, you know, uh, release, messes with all your dopamine levels, stuff like that. Motivation comes back when you stop watching porn. Wow. It says your confidence is obviously going to come back because you're not going to have that same stuff, you know, yeah. like you're not going to be, um, you know, in the back of your mind, uh, you know, like, oh, do they know what I watched last night? Did they know, you know, <laughs> did, uh, some people, this sounds, this may sound kind of silly, but, um, you know, do people know that I just did this a couple hours ago? You know, the, the guilt, the yeah, shame. Right. You won't have that. That's right. That's and that right. Hell, and, and the way to build self-esteem is to do esteemable acts. So the how do you kill self-esteem is doing non-esteemable acts that you feel guilty about. So um, erectile dysfunction will go away. Anxiety will go away. Uh, your brain will start to clear up. You know, uh, a lot of all that fog, um, sexual exhaustion makes you physically and mentally slower. You have that, you know, afterwards that kind of foggy stuff, you know, that mm -hmm. comes with that. Mm -hmm. uh, your hormone levels balance out. Your testosterone uh, actually increases when you stop watching porn. You know, it decreases when it decreases naturally, but it increases when you stop watching porn and it decreases when you do watch porn. Hmm. So that, and that'll bring stuff like better, better, better muscle growth. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, your hair will start growing That's better. Right. You know, yeah. There's all this stuff. Your, your skin clears your, up. Your beard will be full. Your beard start growing better. Uh, it's your emotions will start being able to balance because, uh, you know, all your testosterone and your other stuff is going to be balanced. You're not going to be out of whack um, to be able to handle your emotions. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm such a juvenile. You said out of whack. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm horrible. Uh, that's okay. Uh, yeah, so your dopamine is going to rebalance like that. Your attention, uh, you know, the yeah. ADHD is on the rise. Mm -hmm. The attention... Um, masturbation and that kind of stuff does hurt concentration focus so you're going to get that back uh like i said brain fog your stamina comes back as a male your uh with your testosterone coming back you know your stamina to go run uh lift weights like it's a big thing that a lot of guys do when they uh start stop watching porn uh you get the testosterone back Weightlifting is a good way to, you know, do that. It goes really well with that. So, mm -hmm. you know, all the time that you get back, uh, your no, your depression goes down. Um, your stress levels, the way that your brain is able to handle stress, actually gets better. You won't mm. uh, get stressed and more. You know, you'll be able to handle more stressful things. Uh, you'll have deep, profound feelings. Uh, you know, once you, if you're eliminating all this stuff, it, the stuff that you do have back, you'll enjoy it more. Um, 
your sleep gets better, uh, impulse control, your frontal lobe starts coming back. Um, said skin be- is skin starts clearing up. Um, let's see. So the benefits uh, far outweigh. Oh yeah, you and uh, <laughs> you'll yeah you'll actually be better with girls. Is one of the big things, uh, which is kind of coincidental. It's kind of paradoxical. You know, or, yeah, it is. It actually isn't. I mean, when you think about it, but um, you'll start being with you have more confidence. You'll start looking better. Um, ultimately, you'll be better with girls. So the more so, you know, uh, for all these single guys out there, um, that you know are looking to fill the loneliness or the void of being single, you, you're not helping yourself any by looking for that in porn. Yeah, that is right. killing. It kills your sex drive. It kills you, you know, to be a man and like have that extra uh, confidence of like, I'm going to ask her out, you know, like the extra oomph right. to right. make a move uh, that that's killed um, when you look at porn and all the other stuff that happens. So that's all I have. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's right. So I, I just wanted to, some other practical things that if any of that stuff sounds good to you, maybe stop watching porn. That's right. That's right. So, man, that's like, well, that was awesome, dude. Yeah, those that, that, that was a long one. I think that was important, though. Yeah, that was one. Of, this is one of our long ones, longest ones we've uh, that we've uh, podcast we've done in a long time. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so uh, listen, there's uh, some other resources. We'll put them with our liner notes. Um, you know, so you can like fight the new drug is a great yeah, one. I, great I would one. recommend following them on social media and stuff. They always are throwing resources out to help people and uh, just encouraging. Um, but, uh, and we did not even get into the human trafficking aspect of all of this, which was something that I had um, looked into as well. So yeah, that's know. what I was trying to bring up at the end that, uh, yeah, that is a very real thing that, um, yeah. So maybe, it's, maybe it's they're, they're yeah. tied in. They're making money off of it. Um, yeah, it's second, of, uh, second only to, to drug trafficking. Yeah, in terms well, probably, of probably. Yeah, it's a well, it's a lot actually. Uh, it, I would say probably drug trafficking is second to human trafficking. Sex trafficking. Real, yeah. yeah. Well, just real quick, think about this: uh, the cartels. What is more profitable for them to sell to sneak drugs across the border that they can sell once, right? Or sell a woman right. that they can, you know, sad to think about, but. They can get her across yeah. the border really easy and like hundreds, maybe even thousands of times they can use her. Yep. Just so, throw her away. It's a yeah. just... recyclable product, man. It's just horrible when a human being becomes a product like that. That's just mm-hmm. not what we were designed for. No. And well, and that, yeah. yeah. I was just going to say that's all fueled that wouldn't be there if there wasn't uh, uh, consumers. Right. So, you know, supply drives demand. That's right. Yeah. And so uh, let's do our part yeah. and get, stop being consumers and uh, start helping other people get set free. Right. Amen. All right. Dude, it's been a good one. Yes. So the epidemic is real. We'll put some resources in the liner notes for you. Uh, you know, and uh, if you're struggling personally with this topic of an addiction of uh, to pornography, I want to encourage you to reach out to somebody, find someone to help you and start with the Lord Jesus and then move from there to some trusted people 
that can be around you to help you out. That's all I got to say about that. Yep. All right, man. Well, we will catch you guys next time on All Out War. And yes. What do you like to stop, say? Oh, stop watching porn. Stop watching porn. <laughs> okay, they're going to say stay hydrated, but that works too. Yes, that too. <laughs> See ya. Thanks for listening to the All Out War podcast today. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you.